in this episode of the Connor Carrick Podcast. Your outcome must stay no matter what and your strategy changes because the truth is recognizing where your limitations are, recognizing where where you have room to grow is really important if you're going to be a sophisticated thinker in this world. You have to be able to take remove emotion and objectively receive the feedback as, okay, which area specifically am I not good at? Great. And great is the answer to everything. Hi, everyone. Welcome to the Connor Carrick podcast. Today I have on uh, my neighbor growing up, Division One softball player, national speaker for Tony Robbins. Her name is Carissa Kuchis. We will get into her experience today uh, working for Tony her development alongside and his company and kind of the interviewing process and how she rose uh, through the company ranks, her mindset coaching and what she takes a lot of her business and uh, coaching clients through on a personal level, how she's handling uh, the coronavirus and and what Tony's sort of outlook is on it. I cannot wait uh, as we talk. It's, a, it's an awesome conversation. I'm super excited. I learned a lot and I'm excited to share it with you. Carissa, thank you for your time today and let's get going. Carissa, help me, you know, we talk a lot about, we're, we're both pretty self-reflective people, and I want to talk about why you have your why, why you have this uh, career as a national speaker for Tony Robbins, why you really pursued it. And I guess what's super interesting to me is we talk about, you know, there's a, is change in a person possible? You know, you and I believe it is, but what what really prompted uh, when you first went to that Unleash the Power Within, what really nudged you? to throw that dart at the wall and, and, and create that goal to say, I want to work for Tony. I want that life. I want to, you know, walk this walk and talk that talk like that to me is, is super powerful that you're on this path. It's, it's, uh, I've, I've always t- known you to be a maverick in, in that way. You're, you're, you're very bold. There's, you're not going to tell yourself no. Um, but you know, a lot of people go to UPW and don't end up working, uh, as national speakers for Tony Robbins. So what, like what clicked, like what is, so special about that for you? What's special about it is all of my hobbies throughout my life were professional development. So while someone might be into hockey or someone might be into um, any type of sport or they might be into uh, fitness and nutrition and there's all these different hobbies, my hobby always went back to self-development. So when I wanted to have fun, I wanted to get a new self-development book. For me, organizing my agenda and my planner and coming up with ways to reach peak performance and really capitalize on doing this human thing really well was always what interest it what had interest me. And so when I went to UPW, it wasn't necessarily a desire to work for Tony Robbins or with Tony Robbins, but it was that moment where my desires and reality met. It was like a lightning bolt. Like it struck, it struck earth. It struck my core. It struck my soul. And I recognized that all of my desires, my hobby could be my life. And I could just marry those two instead of having any separation between desire and then work. It was just mission. It was life. It was purpose. And that 
that desire on my heart became my existence. And I just saw it in real life. And I just, when I see something that I like, it's no longer a question of maybe this will work or, oh, I should try that out. It's like, I just knew at the deepest place in my heart, you could probably relate with hockey. I feel like you always knew that would be your career. I just knew instinctively it was a, it was a natural next step. So we, we were talking about, you know, going from zero to one, you're at Unleash Power Within. Tell me sort of the training process, like the background story of how you've achieved where you're at in his company today. It's crazy because it's been a year and seven months. That's it. Connor, I remember being, I'm in Chicago right now in the South Loop and my view is the skyline. And one of the buildings that I used to work with, work in two years ago, the 43rd floor of the Aon Center when I worked in marketing and I was, I, I'm someone that waters my grass where my grass is. So if you would have asked me two years ago, how do you like your job? Oh, I'm, I'm like the hype queen for this company. I love it. I'm so happy to be here. And that's just the type of person that I am. And after I went to UPW, I ended up bumping into someone in the hallway who, after investigating a little bit further, ended up being Tony Robbins' brother-in-law. And we had exchanged business cards. And I, I haven't, I don't think I told you or Lex this story. Um, however, it was just kind of right place, right time. And I bump into this gentleman and he looks a lot like Shooter McGavin from Happy Gilmore. And I end up <laughs> saying, I was like, excuse me, sir. You know, I just walked on fire. I'm so excited. I say, you look a lot like Shooter McGavin from Happy Gilmore. And he laughs and doesn't really give me much time, but it gives me a business card to kind of get me out of there, get me away. And I end up having the business card in my hand and it's like velvet and thick and heavy. And I'm like, and there's a lion on it. And I'm like, what's going, it's black. I'm like, what is this? And and I knew someone in the Tony Robbins world. And I'm like, hey, check this out. Look at this card that I got from this guy. And he's like, that's Tony's brother-in-law. And I'm like, no way. That's so cool. Didn't think anything of it. And I leave the event and I go back to work. And not that I didn't like work. However, the stimulus was so dead. After you go to an event like UPW and you're so deeply engaged for four days, all of your senses, your sights, your sounds, your touch, your energy, your like energetic alignment, the vibrational energy of your brain. It's like you're on fire as a human being. And then I went back into a space and it didn't match. And I was like, whoa, something's missing. And I was really intrigued. I was really curious. So I spent a lot of time searching stuff. And I stumble upon this application for a peak performance strategist or national speaker for Tony. And I'm reading it and I'm reading it and I'm reading it. And I'm thinking, this is, it's not even about Tony. It had nothing to do with working with her for Tony. It had to do with this role is so unbelievably perfect. It seems insane that this could be my career. And I'm reading it and getting more attracted to it and more attracted to it. And the final sentence of it was, unless you believe you are in the top 2% of applicants for this position, save your time and do not apply. Now, keep in mind when it listed the requirements, I met none of them. You have to have sales experience and be in the top blah, blah, blah percent of your sa- and all of this. And, and I had no experience in sales. I just left my master's degree. I'm 23 years old. I'm just fired up after walking on fire. I just decided, I just made a decision. And, and you and I both know when you actually exercise the power of decision-making, 
there's no other option available to you. So I just decided I have the, I had this instinctual gut feeling intuition that the job was already mine. And I sent in this application video. I put this incredible package together and I sent it in via the, the suggested mediums. And then I also sent it to Tony Robbins' brother-in-law with the subject line, Shooter McGavin. And about 14 hours later, I'm sweating. I'm, I'm like, am I going to get an interview? No one's responding to me. I get a message back for a phone interview. And from that first phone interview to the day I started, it was about four months. And I had multiple rounds of interviews, probably eight. And before you can get a final interview, you essentially have to master all of the Tony Robbins content and curriculum. You know, I was given I was given content to memorize. And then I had to do a training program for uh, people on the executive team on a computer. I was in London with my mom. I had the computer propped up on a pillow on a bed in the hotel room because they said, hey, we're doing your final interview. Are you ready? And I'm like, I'm in a time change. I'm in London. But you know, when they say go, you go. And I popped that up and I did an hour training session through a computer screen the screen was black. I couldn't see anyone, but they could see me. And, and then you just train and you you get from point A to some type of outcome, some type of execution. And I walked them through a training. At the end of it, they offered me the job. And two weeks later, I moved to New York. And it's been two years. It's unreal. Unreal. I, I mean, uh, so of the eight interviews, like we kind of glossed over that, but of those eight interviews, like what were some of the highs and lows over that process, right? Because there's something beautiful. Like you remember the start. I'm, I'm trying to do it right now with this podcast. Like I, you know, this is uh, my, you're my second guest. Like I'm going <laughs> to remember the ups and downs of, of, of screwing around with the mic and trying to build this, um, you know, podcast. Like tell me about the very beginning ups and downs of that journey. Because like that's a long four months when you're really striving for so every day is game seven. Every day. And the thing about working in this role is there are some people in my position, we have a very small team, that they interviewed for two years. This is not a role that many people get. There's only seven of us and there's about 3,000 applicants a month. So it's heavily interviewed for and a very small percentage of people make it through because they're basically always telling you, hey, you're not good enough. Just stop interviewing stop interviewing. You're not going to make it. And those are pre-designed and purposeful comments because they want the hungry lion, the tigress, the, the pit bull that is going to not hear you're not good enough. And they're going to hear you're not good enough and then work harder. And so that's kind of what those four months are like being told like, no, or, or ghosting you. And it's all strategically designed to see can you face rejection and keep moving forward? So what you're asking right now, it's reminding me, I'm looking at, I'm looking at Lake Michigan and across those four months, um, one of the things I was given was a big giant script and it was probably an hour and a half long script of content. And part of my process of interviewing was memorizing and delivering that script. So delivering that training session and to memorize all those words, I now became like an actor. You know, it's like a yeah, it's, it's exactly. Got to get it's off a book. Yeah. 
Yeah. And I got to know it. It's got to be in my body. I have to have physical, mental, and emotional mastery of this script. I have to be able to move an audience from start to finish, not fumble on my words. I have to integrate them into my voice and my persona. And then you're going through stages of delivering a segment of it, a segment of it, a segment of it. And if you deliver that segment good, then you add more onto it. And then you move to the next round. If that was good, then you move on again. And I would wake up every day at probably 4.30 so I could get to the city. I was living at my parents' house because I didn't make enough money at the time to live in Chicago. So I would commute from the suburbs into the Aon Center, which is where I worked. And in the mornings, I would run Lake Michigan. And what I had done was take that script and in my own voice, similar to what we're doing now, I would record it into the Notepad iPhone voice note app on my iPhone. And I would read it with my own voice. And for four months, all I listened to was my own voice reading that. And I would be running the lake, listening to my voice, memorizing it. On my drive down to work, I would be in the car like, good morning, everybody. Welcome to the session. I'm Carissa, national speaker with Tony Robbins. And that's all I would be doing, living, sleeping, breathing. I'd get home. My parents would sit on the couch and I would do it for them. I would do it for the pillows in my room. And I would run this like every day and move my body, engage my physiology, because that's how your brain remembers things more when your body's stimulated. And then I would be sitting at my cubicle with my headphones in, which was always a signal in the marketing or advertising world, you know, don't talk to me, I'm busy. But in my headphones was just me memorizing the script. So I was like moonlighting, but during the day and just memorizing it and memorizing it and memorizing it. And and it was interesting. I reached out to some of my actor friends to say, hey, how do you like memorize your content? Because it's like essentially taking Tony Robbins' textbook of 43 years of working with giants, titans in the industries from Nelson Mandela's to Leonardo DiCaprio's and Mother Teresa's and four of the five past US presidents all the way to Kevin Hart and Will Ferrell. And you have uh, Mark Benioff, founder of Salesforce. It's like the content that's in these last 43 years have been trained to the number one most successful people on the planet. And I've got to compress that knowledge into my brain immediately so that I can get to the final interview. So living, sleeping, and breathing your passion and being obsessed with it. Well, and like, so, so there's two things there that I think are particularly beautiful is in the self-help industry, like, it, you know, I, it's a hobby of mine too. I, I really enjoy sort of like the art and science of trying to live better. Uh, as a person, as a player, uh, as a family man. But I will not give any coach the time of day if I can even sniff the, the, the hint of sense that that person is not walking the walk. Mm. Like the, the, you, can, you can go up on stage, you can write as, as compellingly, clearly and concisely as you want. Uh, but if I can smell that as, as the coach now, as the person presenting the expert, that, that you're not putting in the work I'm totally turned off. Like what you're not saying and, and what you're doing is equally as important as the message. And I, I, I've always found you to be someone to walk the walk, you mm -hmm. know, and I, I find that really impressive. Thank you. I, there's a quote that I go back to frequently, and that is, you can only take people as far as you've been. And one of my core values as simply a human being is congruency and alignment. You know, I have a tattoo that I just got and it's, 
it looks like I dropped my pen on my wrist. And if you didn't know me, you wouldn't understand it, but it's a, it's a dot, it's a dot, it's a dash, and it's a dot all in a straight line. And it stands for living in alignment from your head to your heart, to your spirit and the force of your identity. And so I train on a lot of different topics with humans all over the world, all over the nation, you know, leadership, success habits, sales, confidence, peak performance, and professional speaking and in all of those facets, my pro sport in my life, similar to you with hockey or people listening, my pro sport is life. And I love it so deeply. And I know that I have a responsibility in the, in the, in my life. My soul's purpose is to give back to this planet by becoming more and then taking people where I've gone. And that's just a core value of mine. So it's almost unrelatable with the people that might say it and not do it. It's like, I don't even think about them because it's so not in my energetic field because I just am so deeply in love with, with life and the pursuit of, of optimizing my human experience. Now there was another story in, in sort of your, your growth to the position you're at that I, that I, an element that I thought was really interesting was four months of them purposefully trying to discourage you, purposefully trying to reject you. Now, I, I, there's a lot of people out there. Maybe the thought is like, uh, I'm already good at, I, I don't need others approval. I don't need, I, I know who I am. I'm confident who I am. I think the stakes are different when it's someone that you sorely look up to is the, is the, maybe it wasn't Tony directly, but people that work for Tony, people that Tony's identified to carry on the, the best interest of himself and his company and his mission. Like it's a totally different element when someone you look up to is the one giving you that disapproval. Like how did you grind through that? Like what, you know what I mean? Cause like, cause I always felt similar where, you know, I, you know, I, I'd be growing up uh, as a youth player you know, a coach would tell me, uh, you're not, you're not good enough. All right. Yeah, that guy doesn't know what he's talking about. Fine. No problem. And then I'd go up a couple of levels and now my coach was, the resume was, was bigger, better sounding, more qualified. And he still don't know what he's talking about. And then all of a sudden I get to junior hockey. I get to the minor leagues. I've got like Stanley cup champions telling me I'm not good enough. I've got people that have, uh, you know, long history, 30, 40 years in the NHL telling me I'm not good enough. And like, it was totally different to try and check that. It just hit heavier, you know? So how, it's, like, how did you? Yeah, it's an adjustment in your mind and it's what we call a two millimeter shift. So that is what separates people. That moment right there, when you get criticized, when you have someone that doubts you, that doesn't believe in you, this, that's separation season. That is the moment that those that are so deeply committed to the outcome are still going to prevail. They get excited. When someone tells me I'm not good enough, that is good news to me because I never want to be the smartest person in the room, but that's the human they're attracting for a role like this. If you're playing hockey and you're listening to this and your outcome is to uh, make it to the pros then your outcome must stay no matter what and your strategy changes. Because the truth is recognizing where your limitations are, recognizing where, where you have room to grow is really important if you're going to be a sophisticated thinker in this world. You have to be able to take, remove emotion and objectively receive the feedback as, okay, which area specifically am I not good at? Great. 
And great is the answer to everything. My boss one time played us this hype video and it's all about you say, good, good, good. No one shows up to your meeting. Good. You get kicked off the team. Good. You get traded. Good. You know, Corona happens. Good. Market crashes. Good. That is the type of human being that is so different in this world. You see these people, you see these two groups emerge and it's the moment of rejection that you're going to revert back to your highest level of thinking, of training. And if you can train yourself in that moment of rejection to that is when you rise, that is when you step up. It was such a natural thing for me. So I didn't really have to think of, oh gosh, uh, maybe I should quit. And I, I have to be fair. I didn't receive a lot of that objection for me. It was a a very seamless interview process. Some of my colleagues definitely did and they would fly themselves to different events and just to show the commitment and show this this stable interest. And I just, I think the key, if you could deduce this down to one thing, it's are you willing to withstand and stand your ground when no one believes in you? Because that's the true test of somebody that will succeed if your outcome does not change. Carissa, like, let's let, so that's sort of your, um, <clears throat> zero to one, your, your growth process into, to where you're at today. What is on your agenda currently? Cause you, it, there is coronavirus right now. Um, you know, UPW, uh, and, and large events. My, my work is on pause. Your work is a little bit on pause. How are you using this to shift? How, where are you trying to go both personally? Like, what are you using this time to work on personally and professionally? That's a great question. And our world is obviously self-development. And I think the number one, there are two things right now. The first focus is serving and nurturing your clients. That's the most important. So right now, our focus as a company is meeting people where they are and serving the need and serving them with how are you innovating? How are you staying creative? How can we support you? A lot of people aren't used to working from home. So I'm doing so many events and trainings with people virtually right now with their teams at home to work on maintaining a strong psychology when your workplace looks different? How are you selling right now when you have some type of reservation to sell because the market's flat? You know, what does that look like? So we're meeting people where they are at and serving. And for me, I I have to be just totally transparent that I don't have a lot of fear because you have a choice, fear or faith. To me, this happened as totally out of my control. But what I get to control is is this something that I get to utilize? And the best sentence that I could offer in what is operating in my mind is, Corona is the best thing that ever happened to my, and then insert all the areas of my life. Happened to my business, happened to my body, happened to my relationship, happened to my finances. Because as a leader, that's the outcome. A leader does three things. They see something as it is, not worse than it is, and they make it as they want to see it. And that's a Tony Robbins original right there. Three components, that's it. And what I want to see is that this is something that served me and served my clients. So now I'm making that the truth. And that looks like me showing up for them and nurturing them at a much deeper level. And then internally that this is my time to go inward. This is my time to grow. My body is not exactly where I want it to be. Now I get to focus on that. My relationships I haven't been too present in. Now I'm focusing on how can I love deeper? How can I be more present? How can I give instead of take? So I'm going inward. I'm utilizing this time. I'm being more playful. I mean, I'm starting to do 
yoga inversions and handstands. I bought uh, a little device that I get to do these upside down movements with. And you probably see it all over my Instagram. I'm doing it every day. I'm uh, outside. I'm dancing more. I'm doing different workouts. I mean, I'm really just using and taking advantage of this time to grow myself physically, mentally, emotionally, and spiritually. What I love about that is like, I... (laughs) the concept of balance, right. Is, is something that, that people talk about while also, you know, there's this blend of, of being obsessive and, and having uh, living a passionate life. For me, balance isn't so much always like living in balance. It's having a process to check back in on when things are starting to get away from me. So maybe, okay, I have gone off, not, not off the deep end, but I've been really obsessive about my body for a bit. And I've been ignoring some relationships and I get the sense that you're developing this skill too. It's like you want to engage wholeheartedly in, in what you're focused on, but then also have some processes and, and we can get into the janning, you know, which if anyone follows you on Instagram, they know about, um, you know, sort of some of the processes where, you know, you, you live wholeheartedly. You're very immersed, uh, in, in everything that you do, but you also have, I guess, uh, like frameworks in place to take a step back to evaluate the ongoings of your life. Yes, this is the wheel of life. We call it in the Tony Robbins world. And any of my UPW grads that are listening to this are going to recognize it. And if you're not, someday when you go, you're going to you're gonna learn this and it's going to be something that you utilize. I utilize it weekly, definitely quarterly. Some people don't do this check-in. They do it once a year. And that's why they're always behind the curve. So wheel of life is seven pillars of your life to consistently check in with. And you kind of give yourself a rating, a really honest rating on a scale of like dissatisfied to very satisfied. So that's kind of like zero to 10. And I'm always checking in on these pillars because your wheel, if you imagine it like a circle and it's like a a pie, you know, you've Mm -hmm. got all these different sections. You've got um, one section is your physical body. You've got your emotions and your meaning. You've got relationships, time, career, mission, finances, contribution and spirituality. And at the very center of the wheel would be zero, very dissatisfied. And then as you move out to the end of the circle, that's a 10 or very satisfied. And so you're rating yourself. You look into these sections of, okay, we'll go example, physical body. At the end of the day, you can make all the money in the world, but in your, in the grave, you're not going to have any of that money with you. So it doesn't matter the money you make if you don't have a healthy lifestyle, a, a rich, energetically rich lifestyle. You know, if you don't have your health, you don't have anything. So that's why health is so important. It's a fundamental pillar in my life. And I would give myself a rating right now. I sat down in quarantine and I redid this. I did this check-in with myself because people are operating from a wheel of pillars of importance when life looked different one month ago. And we can't project what it's going to look like in three months because we don't know. So all we get to do is figure out, okay, what pillars, what am I looking like now where my feet are? And so I would ask myself with my physical body right now from a zero to a 10, where am I? And let's say right now I gave myself about a six. You know, I'd fill that in all the way to a six. And then I would do that for every single section. Okay, how are my emotions? Am I managing my emotions? Am I all all over the place? Am I hot one day, cold the next? Am I really excited saying Corona thinks the best thing that ever happened the next day I'm crying? 
buying eating powder donuts on the bathroom floor? You know, what is that looking like? How am I doing? And I'll give myself a rating. Okay, I'm doing really well. I'm going to give myself a seven. You know, I'm not doing well. I'm giving myself a two. You know, my finances, am I just ordering everything on Amazon? What does that look like? You get the picture, you do that around your wheel, you color them in, and then you're going to line them up and you'll get to see, okay, if you were to actually have that wheel driving your life? Is it wobbly? Is it even? And so the goal is to identify which pillars in there are going to, are going to bring you the most stability, joy, vibrance, abundance in your life. And where are you currently sitting? Because step number one is clarity. You've got to be clear on where you're at. And ignorance is not bliss in this scenario because then people just complain about where they're at because they're so ignorant. They don't have clarity on where they actually are and what they want. So step number two is identifying, well, what do you actually want in those areas of your life? If, if what would a 10 look like for your body and for you, not for me, for you, maybe you're okay with being an eight in your body because you care more about your relationships right now. Cool. What do you want in those sections? And then you just get to create a plan to get there. So wheel of life, I would say is the most simple and easiest way of identifying where you are, where you want to go and closing the gap to get there. And that's a method that I use sometimes daily if I need to. Yeah, I love that. And and I do think, like I do have daily reflections, but I think there's something um, really special about the the really big picture, the weekly or the monthly, and then actually the yearly. I want to talk to you about what your yearly reflection was because we both recently turned 26. I turned 26 yesterday. Yep. Uh, I got a little bit of a sugar hangover from from <laughs> Lexi got me a couple sprinkles cupcakes and I got off the meat and greens. Uh, you yep. know, it's bad. It's bad for the brand. It's bad for what I'm trying to do. But it's, it's my birthday. <laughs> I can relate. Uh, but I, I want to know. I have donuts on my birthday and I thought I got coronavirus because my body was so confused. <laughs> and I was like, wait, I feel so weird. Do I have corona? And it was just a sugar, a, a big sugar high. Well, it's like I, I try not to necessarily reward myself with food. Like I try to be you know, I, I joke, I call it being smarter than the dog. You know, if I, if I yell food for, for Hoagie, he comes sprinting over. Um, I want (laughs) to, you know, have a relationship with food where it mostly fuels like my higher goals, like my body and things like that. But I mean, come on, like the cupcake was outstanding. Um, yeah. Oh, actually all three of them are outstanding if we're going to be honest, but (laughs) what was your 26 year old reflection? Cause I know you posted about it on Instagram. Um, and you taught, you talked a little bit about mantra You've talked about, and, and I love this. I love that you have different tools like in your toolbox for like professional, personal development. And you, you don't always know which one's going to work for you, but you know, you've got access and you've got time for yourself and patience with yourself to screw it up and say, okay, you know what? The, the wheel of life's not connecting today. Maybe it's more mantra. Maybe it's more simple than that today. Um, mm-hmm. So you just turned 26. Yep. What was that reflection process? And, and really like, what's, what's up for the next year? Where are you trying to go? Cause number one, I want to help you. Number two, I want to hold you accountable. And number three, yeah. I want to dream bigger than you. <laughs> I so appreciate you in my life. I just got to say that it's just been so fun. I feel like all the way back to when we were eight and you'd be outside in the driveway, like playing hockey on a Friday night or a Saturday morning, 6am. And my mom and I would be driving by on the way to softball and just like the character, she'd always note your character. And it was great to know someone at a young age. I feel like you and I've always been a little bit different, you know, and it was great to just know somebody else that thought that way. Um, So I just value you. And I just wanted to say thank you for that. And 
Yeah. Um, when we look at the 26 year old reflection, it was beautiful because it came right. Obviously, January was not too long ago. And I did a really massive retreat. And so I went to Austin, Texas, and I got an Airbnb. And during this retreat, I it was two full days and I have a girlfriend out in Texas and we just kind of hunkered down and did, and this is something that I want to do yearly. I want to invite and host these. Um, but I did it for myself and I walked myself through this big process of essentially where am I at? What about last year did I learn about myself that isn't going to take me where I want to go? What do I know about myself at my core? What's really true for me? Not what what I've been doing because sometimes we just do and we live in life on autopilot and that's not actually who we are at our core or it's been socially or societally conditioned and we didn't really choose that route for ourselves. So I give, I'm very self-reflective in that of who am I choosing to be? And so I went on this very in-depth process that I, I don't even know how to put into words because it's just living in the brain right now. Um, but what it what it turned into was a reflection on all of the major pillars of my life. What's most important to me in my in this year of 2020, those pillars. So for me, that's career, that's health, that's energetic alignment, I call it, which is my spirituality and my divine femininity. Uh, growth is a pillar of mine that's always really important. And then two of my uh, other sub pillars are love, because I feel like that's going to happen this year. I'm kind of intuitive in that way. And then just financial, being totally a master, one of the smartest business minds of my generation, someone that creates, grows and scales multi-billion dollar businesses. And so getting really clear on what all of those areas look like in my life, what I've done that I'm not necessarily in line with, what I know they would look like if I was being fully congruent, and then what could fuck it up, honestly? What could happen in my life that would make me not live in alignment? What could yeah. pop up? What could go wrong? And anticipating those things before they happen and then me creating how I respond. And then all of that funnels into this one giant mantra. So just a really silly example is uh, health is really important to me. And oftentimes where my health is weakened or is impacted is I travel you know, 350 days out of the year in 20. 2019 alone, I took, I think, 76 flights. So a lot of times where my health is impacted is when I'm traveling a lot. So I knew that was one of my triggers. I said, ah, what's going to what's gonna impact this? Well, it might be when I'm traveling because I'm quick to just grab anything. So one of the sentences of my mantra is, I am the type of woman that packs my food for the car in the airplane. And I say that to myself every single day. And now that's just a part of my identity. So, oh, someone's like, oh, you, you need to eat. Oh, no, I pack my food for the car and the airplane. And I've trained myself to do that. And now when I'm leaving to go to the car or the airplane, I'm like, oh, did I pack my food? Because I'm subconsciously programming my mind. So before the year, I do that in a very deep, deep, deep process, create a massive mantra. It's about three minutes long. And I have it uh, actually composed in a 10 a 10x loop. And so it's about a 15 minute recording. And every morning when I get ready, I say these things out loud and program my brain. So when I sat down for my 26th year, I really did a check in with how am I doing with these? 
and what parts of these are still feeling true for me and what, what parts of me have changed now that our world has changed a lot. We didn't expect this. And so I was able to get clarity on which parts are more important to me now. And I allowed myself the grace to change up some of the components of my mantra and my pillars. Um, so just uh, one of the things that's coming up is more presence in my relationships. That's really huge for me. And so sinking in on that and then some clarity on what my career looks like. So going back to... Yeah, that the, was a lot. Um, no, no, <laughs> let's, let's do it. One of the things I love about when you is in your mantra, I am the type of person uh, that prepares their food. Is yeah. and and we getting back to you know there was a reason why on Friday nights in high school I wasn't at the party and I was shooting pucks in my driveway, and on Saturday mornings I was up early you know rollerblading and trying to develop my game. We both from a young age, and I'm not sure how to develop this. Like I I think my maybe it was my parents or maybe it was just an inner knowing. Um, I feel like we have always shared the permission to sit, to evaluate, okay, this is what others would do. This is what normal does. This is maybe even what I would like to do, but you you give yourself permission to be different, to be yourself, to be, to pursue better, frankly. Like I, and that's something I've really tried to evaluate um, in my own, you know, career development is looking at the way other professional hockey players, you know, go about their job. And, and maybe they have a system that works for them, but this is what I know works for me. I want to be both the type of player uh, that has energy in January to, to go to the rink and practice and, and compete and battle for a job and also then find a way to have the energy to be a good husband at home. Like I want to be the type of person that gives myself permission to be that energetic leader, that energy creator that you seem to be, that you always have been, um, you know, but it's, you've got the right blend of like both and you, you do the work to feel enlightened, but you understand like you've got to take care of the laundry too. Yeah. Like it, it's, it's a blend of both Gary, for Gary V. It's like, he's got his head in the, in the clouds, but his feet in the dirt kind of thing. Right. It's yeah. that blend of, of dreaming and doing that each fuels the other. Ooh, that fires me up. It's the and. It's the and mentality. It's there's uh, a the real pandemic in this world. The real virus in this world is the but people. I want to do this, but this. I want to do this, but this. I want to be a great husband, but I'm a pro hockey player, so I'm always on the road. I want to be. I want to be a great businesswoman, but. I'm only 26. It's like when you're when you're stuck in butt, when you're addicted to butt, game over. If you just have the courage to change that to an and from time to time, you'll get more used to it and it'll become easy for you to see that you can have it all. And that is really truly my belief. You can have it all. You can have all of it. You can have the business and the great relationship and the great body and be great at finances. You can grow up with really troubling circumstances and be super successful and contribute to this world and give back. And you can do it all. And that's a belief that I believe I learned at a really young age. And again, I don't know if that was my parents or just an, an internal knowing, but I do know that I had the courage to trust and, and listen to to what I had in me, what I was being, it was almost like I, I've been channeling these things. And if you listen to them, you know what your body wants, but you have to be willing to receive that message. So a, a little one-liner that 
I say to myself all the time that might be helpful for listeners is you are creating the story you will one day tell. You know, Carissa, you're creating the story you will one day tell. Pandemic hits in 10 years when you're on a stage somewhere and you're inspiring a group of 20-somethings that have hit the workforce and then something happens like this again, what are you going to tell them to lead them? Because you can only take people as far as you've been. So I'm always acting in alignment with, with what I know I want to serve the world with. And the second thing I would say about this is you and I have both shared that. And it's really, there's maybe two things. One is blaring authenticity, having the courage to just be who you are because people are going to be weird about it at first. They're going to question you because it might not be fitting the mold that you've been put in. And that's okay. You're going to find other people that share that with you. And it's going to be, you're going to become more free to be who you are with every single decision you make that's more true to yourself. And the second is standards. If you do not have a baseline standard for what you'll accept in your life, then you're just going to become a a big jumbled reflection of all of the people in your life and all the things they care about. And then you're like, wait, who am I? You really have to decide what's my standard and then just live by it. And it's about creating like that North star that, that these are the things that I, that are worth pursuing in my life. These are the types of relationships I want. This is the type of health that I want. Um, and being in, in, I think this is what's special about Tony's process. Cause I, I have been a fan and I, and I, of your work too, is you try to like systematize how to continuously make good choices and then also be able to come out of the fight and and make choices about how you're making those choices at a later date. Like it's mm-hmm. it's constantly like you're 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 working, you're training, you're dreaming, you're working, you're training, you're dreaming, you're refining, refining. And then you have those big evaluation periods. And and it's a good blend. You have a good blend of both like working in your business on the day-to-day, but also working on your business. Cause that's something we share as, you know, as independent contractors, right? Like I'm an NHLer, I'm kind of my own business. I'm my own CEO. Um, you know, and so are you of, of your brand and, and really of all of our lives, of course. But, um, I think it's that blend of working in your business and on your business that is really impressive about your process for me. Mm -hmm. You know, there's, I say a lot of the times when I get on trainings to people, I don't want there to be an illusion that I know everything and I'm so great. You know, there's nothing that I have or that you have that other people don't have the ability to have. I am really just, I I know a guy that knows a lot and it's Tony. And the easiest way to get where you want to go is model someone that's been there. And Tony, in my opinion, is the number one success coach on the planet. So I'm modeling him at every chance that I can get. And I use what I learn. I'm really a knowledge broker. I learn as much as I can about his career and what he's done and the curriculum he creates. And I train and I teach that. And there's a a lesson that he provides. And I don't know if you know, Tony used to do what I do for Tony. He used to do that for Jim Rohn, who is the godfather of self-development. It's the, that's where my model comes from. FSR, field sales rep. You go into businesses, you serve the community, your boots on the ground. And, you know, when it was back in the day with Tony, it's like door knock, door to door to door to door to door. People don't want you to come in and you have to go there and you have to influence them and you have five seconds to get their attention. And 
It's the same system. So what he developed then is can I, constant and never ending improvement. After every single event that he spoke at, he would ask himself, what went great? What didn't go so great? And what can I improve for next time? There's no failures. There's just learning. So you're able to work on your business while being in your business if you're present to it. A lot of people don't want to recognize their quote failures or they messed up. So they're never checking themselves. That's the only way you grow. And Tony is just such a genius. And I just owe so much. I have so much gratitude for my career and the work that I get to do and the partner that I am and changing lives with this company because when you can coach yourself, there's no limit to the amount of impact you can make in the world. And the, you know, this is why I love, we love talking together is I always do feel, um, challenged. I always, I always learn a lot, you know, uh, kind of secondhand about picturing where I'm at in my career or my life, applying some of, of Tony's principles. Like what is so special about Tony? Like what is the one thing in being up close to him um, as often as you are that is most impressive to you? That he loves, loves. Everything in this world is love and that's the secret. When people get really heavy in the business, they just, they push business and they push business and they push business and they have this misconception that you can get all these things in life and you'll be fulfilled. The secret to living, as Tony would say, is giving. And he's mastered this art of being such a pure and kind soul. You know, the like he has, I think, 53 companies right now that bring in $6 billion in revenue. And then the amount of service that he does, donating m- millions of meals to uh, Feeding America and everything that he gives back to the community. It's like he's such a human, pure human soul. And he teaches people how to love, how to love others, how to love life. You know, right now we're in the middle of coronavirus and his two tips for everybody was creativity and caring. Can you be creative right now? Creative with how you serve and nurture your clients, creative with how you do business, creative with how you really still up level and upgrade yourself despite things looking different. And how deeply can you care for humanity? Can you surprise someone you love? Can you think of someone before you think of yourself? And he'll tell you the only reason you're depressed or you're angry or you're frustrated is because you're focused on you. You're completely focused on self. When you can take the energy off yourself and focus on serving people, you can move. You can move and impact and ignite and inspire humans. And it's all about service. That's his entire mission. It's his entire career. I'm freaking giving myself the chills right now because I get to be a part of a mission that's so great that impacts at this point 40, uh, 50 million people from 100 different nations. And the man just turned 60. It's unbelievable. So it's love and it's caring. And that's the secret. Love is everything. That's, I mean... It does come across and, and, you know, I, uh, you know, I do think you care along that level for, for your own life and for others. Um, you know, and I have been impressed. I like to see how you interact with, with your professional development and like your, your continued progress and knowing Tony's curriculum. And I also trust that you're trying to develop your own, like the world's you've come up through the world different you know, you're, you're very different than Tony and size and stature and, and everything else. Um, and you can offer a unique voice, 
you know, I don't want to say better, but there's, there's going to be uh, parts of his mission that maybe you really focus on, right? Like you talk about that pie chart, you know, the, the wheel of life. Where do you think you can add maybe not more value, but what, like, what is the audience that you've had maybe more success with or, or where are you trying to develop alongside Tony's rhetoric and, 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 and system? I think that's a really beautiful way of asking that question. And it's something that I don't have a very specific answer to. And I get the question a lot, whether it's through direct message or I'm on a podcast or just friends or people close to me, are you going to do your own thing and go out on your own? And I think that there are there are avenues in my life where I can add value and it's, and it's my brand. However, my, my purpose in this world is to make a big impact and there's no one that's making a bigger impact than Tony Robbins. And so I think that the way the secret to being successful in business is to be the human being that adds the most value in any situation. How can you add more value? Even if you're a hockey player, how can you add more value to your teammates, to your coach, to the fan, to your fans? You know, you're adding value to people because you have another platform of social. So where I feel like I add the most benefit is getting closer and more deeply connected with our clients and and starting to serve communities that otherwise would not, not have been served. And so a lot of um, the people that I'm currently serving and adding value and adding value to are a lot of women that are like, wait, Tony Robbins, who mindset, what? And really anyone that doesn't know it, I'm really obsessed with getting the message to people that otherwise would not have known it. And I find really fun ways to integrate different avenues of getting the message across. So I'm really committed to, you know, establishing my personal brand and and having opportunities for people to get involved, like book club I do on Sundays or Monday night, ladies night, or a, an entire eight week coaching program that we do in tandem with Tony Robbins. And I'm always offering new ideas and unique twists on how we can do things so that I can just serve our people best. And that really is really what it comes down to is people don't know you care unless you show you care. And that's something Scotty, my boss says to me all the time. And so it's just, how can I care deeper for my clients and how can I ensure that they're able, how can I be a bridge for them to get to an event that really started it all for me? And it's my, it's my responsibility in my eyes and my privilege to give back to this world by becoming more, by learning as much as I can from the expert experts more, more than one, of course. And then eventually we need to carry on this legacy and there's going to be a new wave of thought leaders that do this work in the world. You know, you've got, you, we know who they are right now. You've even called some out. We got Gary V you've got really incredible human beings. And there's another wave that's going to have to serve the next generation. And I don't take that responsibility lightly. Um, so right now I'm just doing the work every single day to grow myself and what that looks like in the future. Who really knows? I just know that I will, I trust my decisions. I trust my gut and I trust the, the places and spaces that I go with my heart. Well, that's what I think is beautiful about our mission. Part, so part of my mission in, in developing this podcast was to participate in conversations like this, participate that fuel my why as an athlete to, to want to be the best for my, my team um, and my friends and my family. Uh, I wanted to, serve and, and, and give power to like the 20 somethings trying to do something, you know, cause we are 26. We, we haven't been everywhere and done everything. And, and, you know, we do look up to some of our, uh, mentors and role models, but what we do know is they didn't get to that age. And then they, Tony didn't become, you know, get to 60 and then decide, okay, now I want to start 
building my platform, building my, my ability to help people. Um, yeah, he was so at some point we had to go first. It's nuts. It's incredible. Um, you know, on the other side, so I really want to continue to speak to and try and give permission to, to go for more to the 20 somethings trying to do something that, you know, kids like us out of college, maybe working corporate jobs, um, you know, maybe struggling in between, you know, do they, do they achieve, they go for a master's, that kind of thing. Um, but also the young student athlete, cause we were both young student athletes, you're a division one softball player. I mentioned that, uh, in the intro, you know, what, in terms of sport, like what role has sport played in your ability to develop as a thought leader? It is everything. It's everything. It's the way I view the world. It's the way I'm competitive with myself to be more, to do more, to become more. It's the reason that I'm a team player. It's the reason that when I'm still in the dugout, I'm still rooting for the success of the team, the success of the mission. It's, it's the reason that, you know, when it's bottom of the seventh base is loaded and you're behind, like I'm still, I'm still, my eyes are still set on victory. I can be down. I can be down. I could be not succeeding. And I know that with the right amount of work, my outcome on winning the game doesn't change. It's the reason that you're willing to lend a hand to someone and help and support people so that they can be a part of the mission to getting to the overall goal. It's the reason that I have the discipline to wake up early in the morning because when I was 13, I was sleeping in my softball uniform and waking up at 5 a.m. to drive all the way out three hours away to get to my 8 a.m. game. You know, it's the reason that you're willing to receive feedback and take it. You're not good at this. Get better at this. You know, you, you suck at bunting, be better, drop step better, like look for the ball. You know, the sun is in your eyes. Are you going to be able to catch it and make the out when the team is counting on you? Can you navigate around the obstacles? Like it's everything. It's such a beautiful metaphor for life and for teamwork and for integration and being a meet up, meaningful member of society. It's sport is everything. And I'm so grateful that I've been given the gift of playing it and Um, and then also obviously health and energy. Like, I just think that's so important. I think that if you're not taking care of your health, you really don't have anything. And I I don't know if there's enough I could say about sports. I mean, that's been my relationship with sport is in terms of physical development, it's obvious, like you got to be strong, you got to be fit, you got to take care of it. You realize, um, you know, just how hard the struggle is when, when you aren't physically healthy to, to be your best uh, mentally for sure, you've got to be resilient. You've got to have that unwavering knowing that, okay, I'm struggling right now. Some might even call it a slump, but you know, the better I'm going to stick around and maximize like the surface area of my luck. Like I'm going to work hard enough, long enough and stay in this game to persist. Um, and, and I guess this is the final component I want to highlight is the, the spiritual element. So I'm at a point in this game, you know, where I've been playing a long time. So I was four or five had a lot of ups and downs, broke, broken bones, you know, bad hits, uh, you know, we're on the road, we're traveling again, you know, like you talk about where, you know, when I'm in control of my full, uh, health and, and I'm getting nine hours of sleep, like it's very easy for me to, to operate my own best interest. It's a little bit more demanding when you're on four hours of sleep and, and you're on a time change and things like that. But I want to help the process along and, and maybe reconvince because when I grew up, Yes, of course, the goal was always to play professional sport, to play Division One. Like that was a, why not you was the conversation. Someone's going to play in the NHL, Connor. My dad would say, why not you? Yep. Which is beautiful. But there was always an element too of, 
this is a key component in your development as a person, your development as a man. And sport has become so 24 seven in mm-hmm. you know, the United States, uh, particularly hockey. Hockey's become so, um, I don't want to say overbearing because I, I love the, the passion and pursuit to, to, for young players to be their best. And then if you love the game, go ahead, get after it, like spend all the time you want. Don't let others, uh, have an idea what your work ethic should look like. But I do want to honor the spiritual development, the mental development that athletes, that, that sport gives young athletes. Cause I think it's a little lost sometimes where it, you're preparing for this big game of life and sport mm-hmm. is just one element of it. And I yeah. want to encourage like our, the, if there's a young player listening to this, um, could be hockey, you know, could be another sport. Carissa was a softball player, um, to engage with your development as a person. Cause they mm-hmm. do go hand in hand. Like do not ignore the mental and spiritual development that will aid your physical skill development. What's interesting about this conversation is that the natural progression in what I've seen is that people wait to get to a certain threshold in their life where they allow the self-development and the spiritual to come into play. And usually it's when they've hit such a significant emotional threshold that it's like enough is enough. I've, I've accepted enough pain. I'm moving on. And then they reach for the self-development book or they reach for how to manage it. We call it adversity reads in hockey. So you'll, you'll, you'll go back on the plane and you'll see a guy with, you know, uh, awaken the giant within. You'll be like, Hey, you're not scoring. Are you? Yeah, <laughs> you know, we call them adversity so reads funny. An adversity read. I love it. Yeah. So usually you see people reaching for that when things aren't going great. And that's just such an interesting way to look at it because what if you pursued your development so intensely when things were already great? Because then who could you become by the age of 15? Who could you become by 20? I feel so blessed that I started doing this at a young age. I could only imagine where I'd be in my life if I, if I went to Tony Robbins when I was like 11, we had a four-year-old go to UPW who's seven now and has authored four books. It's unbelievable. So the spiritual and the physical and the self-development is fundamental. And you notice these things like and you have to have enough courage, I think, as a leader to engage in those things as your life curriculum, as your as your textbook of life. It's just, it's really got to be integrated. And I think that's part of the thought leaders, like people like you and I and, and teachers to be implementing this more in their classrooms and, um, you know, coaches implementing it. I was really blessed that my coach in college would have us read some of these books together and we'd do some exercises as a team. And I got really involved in it you'll just, you see a lot of the concepts come to life. Like there's a reason Tony coached the Golden State Warriors to a victory. And it's because visualization, you know, you, you win the game before you even step foot on the court, before you step on the ice, you've already won it. It's like, you, you know, within your physical body, within your certainty level, within your mindset, your confidence, you can take yourself to victory literally in the space between your eyeballs. And when you can work on those things and understand actually what's happening in your brain and the psychology behind them, you'll have a deeper understanding for your sport. If you can understand your brain, you'll have a deeper understanding for your sport. And that holistic development is so important because there will become that moment. And again, you know, to circle back to the concept of it as a, of an adversity read, I think it just people would, I think, engage and players would engage with a more intense program for 
continuing their success, if they realize, if their standard for when failure actually began, because it's not when you're slumping. Like the failure didn't start when you were slumping. It started when you were at the top of your game and you started to negotiate with your compete level. You started to negotiate with, maybe I can get by with, you know, not practicing as hard as I want. Um, and, And then I think it's also just not realizing the natural ebbs and flows of, of the human body over the course of a season. Like that's something that I've recognized um, as a professional. Now, when you, I mean, we play 82 games a year. We have a month long training camp and a seven game series, 28 uh, possible games, you know, for the postseason. When I was a young professional, for example, uh, I'd be out there for warmups and I would tell, I could tell like, oh, my legs aren't here tonight. I don't feel mm-hmm. it tonight. And I, that would start to, to work me up a little bit. And then as I started to engage with better, I, I started to become more mentally resilient. I realized, yes. I realized like I've played plenty of games where I didn't feel it and I still didn't play well. Like it's not always going to be perfect. So the goal here isn't always to get to a perfect place. And I spend 10 hours every morning uh, humming and chanting and jumping <laughs> up and down and meditating. Like, no, this is having an, a skill set that can be used in the real world in real time. Like, yes, yes I have a, a process that, you know, uh, you know, maybe it's Carissa. If I'm speaking that day, I wake up, I do my rebounder, I do my trampoline work. You know, I have my, you know, whether you, uh, you're, you're, you know, butter coffee or whatever. So mentally you're sharp, yep. you know, yep. uh, you do your janning so that you're, you're all organized for the day, but you've also got a skill set that if you miss your alarm and you're running 15 minutes late to the, to the, to the, uh, event, like in real time, you can, you can figure it out and it's developing it's both of those weapon. skills. That's, oh, that's yeah. it. The secret weapon is I think when people get into self-development, they're like, I've got to have this crazy morning routine. It takes people two hours. And then if something impacts it, their whole day's thrown off. Self-development, when you do it right. And I don't want there to be an illusion here. Everything I'm sharing with you that's coming out of my mouth, I learned pretty much from Tony. I study the others too, but I like to study the best. I like to model the best. And here's the secret. When you fully control your mind, your body, your physiology, the external world has no impact on your internal. The only true security you're getting in your life is coming from knowing every single day that you're improving yourself in some way. So you don't have to try to like maintain success. Like, wow, I've been doing really good. Let me just keep trying to maintain this. And you feel like you can't breathe because you're like, oh, I got success. When am I going to lose it? When am I going to lose it? It's like, no, you're improving every single day. So when you get to the point where you've trained the mind and the body, like when you say go, it goes, you can turn it on whenever. You don't have to have a more... uh, an hour long morning routine to get yourself there. If I needed to get off a red eye flight without sleep for the last three days, and I'm going to jump on stage and speak in front of 10,000 people, boom, I could turn it in in an instant because I demand it from my body. I control my mind and my body and my performance. And that is true peak performance. And that's beautiful. It's just, it's about creating that versatility, that, that resiliency um, that you can call on like in real yeah. time. Yes. And that's, that's a little bit, you know, what I was getting to and I was not challenging the young player or, or even the, the student athletes, you know, parent of today. Um, I don't want it to be lost how important the, the mental side of the game is. And mm-hmm. so, you know, I use this analogy where, and uh, 
I use this analogy where if you were to ask like the highest powers that be in hockey, for example, what percentage of the game is mental? You're not going to get a number that says it's less than 50%, right? Like most people will agree. Oh, the game's 80% mental. All right, fine. It's 80%. Maybe it's 90%. So let's say it's 80. I challenge the kids out there that are listening to this or even, you know, players my age, 20, 20 you know, something's trying to do something. Let's say you practice for an hour a day. Are you working on your mental game for four hours that day? Because mm. that's the number. Mm. It's supposed to be 4X. If the game's 80% mental and 20% physical, you know, I don't know if our development model for skill for sport right now reflects that. And I think it's not going to serve players. Bold. And I think that's such a missing link that is really profound what you just said, because what you, you threw out 80, but that's actually exactly what it is. It's 80% psychology and 20% mechanic. That's actually like the statistic. It's 80, 20, 20 mechanic, 20 is the how, 20 is the how to get it done. And 80% is the belief that you can have it. You know, if you go back to let's loop the, close the loop on my job application, it was unless you believe you are in the top 2% of applicants. And the key word, Tony is a smart guy. It's unless you believe you are in the top 2% of applicants. I didn't actually have to. I didn't have to have all the experience. Believe is in there on purpose to see, are you going to find the person that just freaking believes in themselves? And so 80% of you succeeding in a game of you, you know, getting the puck into the net, it's, it, it is your psychology and your mind. And so if it's not being mandated or it's not scheduled in for you and you're an athlete listening to this, my first point of action right now, I would give you two. The first thing I would do is clean up your social media. Like make sure that that is a tool for you. Like when I open mine, it's it's like I would have opened a, a, a textbook. I, I could click on anything that I've chosen to appear on my page. And I know that when I click it, it's going to feed my mind in a positive way. I've curated who I engage with on there. It's the first thing I would do. And the second thing that I would do is I would get some suggestions. I would, I would pick the brain. I would do some investigative work on what are your first three books that you're going to provide curriculum for yourself. And then I would read them from cover to cover. Most people don't do that, but do the work, you know, schedule it in for yourself. Because I call it going from fear to flow. Because yes. I, 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 the, the difference, the difference in your career, and it's that, it's that funny force that, you know, when players are feeling it, you know, they, they talk about, you know, how they're in the zone. Like, how do you, as a speaker, how does Tony really, uh, you know, coach some of his athletes how to go from fear to flow? Fear to flow is Tony's physical mastery. So you go from, you go from, um, like physical, mental, and emotional mastery, and you have cognitive mastery where you're aware of what you're doing and you can actually tell and you can think through it. So it's like, you know, the mechanics of how to, you know, I don't do much hockey, but like swing the stick, you know what I mean? And you know how to do it. Like you're cognitively aware, but once it becomes physical mastery, it's like in you. It's, it, we have this joke in our world in you, as you, is you it's in you, it's, it's, it is you. And when you have mastery at that level, now you can actually remove yourself. So if you were to ever see me speak on stage, 
which hopefully post Rona, we can get you and Lexi in and see, you know, a show live. And when I'm on stage, I am actually, and you can, I'm sure can relate to this in hockey. I am, I'm there and I'm speaking and words are coming out of my mouth and I'm engaging with people. I'm talking to people and I'm lit up and I'm jumping and I'm on chairs, but my soul and my mind is across the room watching it all happen. And I'm watching, I'm speaking and I, I'm just going, I don't have to try to do that because my mind is like, okay, who's, who's checked in, who looks distracted, who's not getting this message right now. And I'm actually thinking about so many other things and my body's just doing it because I've gotten such physical mastery. So when you can actually release the need to be so physically like present and your body is in that state of flow or your dharma it's you are able to escape the need to be mechanical and that is when you enter your flow state well you got to put the hours in like you've put the hours in knowing where you're you're nailing on uh you know up on stage and side note actually um uh, the connor carrick podcast myself lexi and colin steingard my producer we were all uh, planning to go to the event in Chicago. We we're going to uh, yeah. bring Colin in and kind of, as we're trying to set the culture for what we're trying to do um, with this podcast, with with the effort, the movement we're trying to create, we we're pretty excited for it. So we'll see, you know, if we end up, uh, you know, getting to go, but in due time, in due time. Yeah, safety we'll get first. you there. Safety first. Something that you said, uh, I just had a thought that I really wanted to bring up. What were we just talking about? We were talking about... Fear to flow, uh, your ability to, to be flow. across the room. Oh, yeah. Okay. So, and then you said you have to put the work in. I mean, people say it's 10,000 hours to mastery. Mm-hmm. So when Tony was a speaker my age and he was doing this for Jim Rohn and there was still a team, six or seven of them that were doing this and his, he said, I will be the best, the fastest, because the, when you're looking at mastery, you want to compress decades into days. So unleash the power within it's a four day event because it compresses 43 years of knowledge into four days. That's what you call, um, that's what you call full immersion coaching. Mm -hmm. So like there's a difference between reading about how to slap a puck and then actually slapping puck. Like you're going to learn by doing. So it's what he decided to do is that while everyone else spoke one time a day or three times a week, he was going to speak three times a day so he can compress all of this time into a shorter amount to, to generate mastery faster. And so that's really important for those of you listening. If you want to get to that mastery level, the physical mastery where your brain can escape, you really have to implement the training. Like that's where the best they're, they're the ones staying in the rink when everyone else has gone home. You know, well, they're the ones I, I, sleeping. And this is the interesting part. Cause you, you talked about 2020 and, and wanting to, you know, kind of re-strengthen some of your relationships. And, and that was something that something I've really been working on in my life is I know you've got to put the reps in at the rank. Like my work ethic, that's been a staple. That that was, you know, a staple in the Carrick household. The non-negotiable when you went to the rank every day. You know, if you didn't work hard, um, there was going to be discussion had, you know, over over dinner. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but I'm also I'm also trying now to achieve personal bests in every other area of my life. Yep. Like, and, and I'm finding that they all do uh, fuel each other, but I've got to approach them with the same consistency. Like I've yep. got to, you know, allow it in my schedule, right? Like, like that discipline uh, allows for the freedom, but I really am trying to personal best, especially right now on quarantine. Like Lexi and I are spending a lot of time together. You know, I'm trying to 
uh, be present for the time when Hoagie like brings me his toy and things like that. Like I'm really trying to take what's given me uh, a platform of success in my career in ice hockey and see the principles across other areas all the way down to this podcast. Like my goal was never to be uh, Tim Ferriss on episode one. Mm-hmm. But if I want to play hockey for hopefully another 10 years, well, I've got to start putting my 10,000 hours in now so that mm-hmm. in 10 years, like I really am proud of what I've built. Yep. So there was no question. There, there was no, I couldn't debate it any longer that I had to go zero to one now yeah. so that you know, I can be proud of where I'm at. You know, I can start the clock on those 10,000 hours. Yeah. Going, it's, it's what we talked about in the beginning. It's going pro in life. You know, how you pursue anything, the old famous quote is how you pursue everything. And when you have the desire, it's like your wheel is off balance. If you just, you know, hockey or your career and mission is incredible. That's what most people have is they're doing great at work. And, but when they're at, when they're at home, they're thinking about work. And when they're at work, they're thinking about the relationship. Like they're, they're not present. Their emotions are scattered and they're all over the place. And it's really willing to fill up your bucket in each area. And I think that's really courageous and bold that you have the focus on that right now. And I do, I do want to talk with you about how do you handle performance anxiety? How do you handle your absolute failures? And like, what was so far the one moment on stage where you just felt like the room was melting or mm-hmm. like maybe it was a personal moment where you where you felt you do move every three months to where the next UPW is is launching. Mm-hmm. You know, maybe I can imagine there's t- times of loneliness. And I do, I always love, uh, I do love Tony's ability to shift, right? To to change everything into a positive. But there is that, yeah. that there, there is that bounce at the bottom. And what happens in that moment uh, where you, because you are human, you do experience failure and negative emotions. So like, go ahead. Yeah, no, I I think that's a really fair and great question. And what Tony would answer that with is that it's not about him ever. So you'll notice that he's willing to go until, because everything you say is not going to land. As a professional speaker, everything you do is not going to land. Some people aren't going to be engaged, but the cool thing about speaking is that you get immediate feedback. So you see if people aren't into it. And if something doesn't work, you try something else. And if that doesn't work, you try something else. And if that doesn't work, you try something else. And then what if that doesn't work, you try something else. And what about that? You try something else. So it's the willingness to keep going despite the failure. And there have definitely been moments in my career where I've hit a moment and I was like, I have no idea what to do. I have no idea what to do. I'm trying to remember there was one time specifically where someone um, called me out in the middle of a session. I was relatively new and she was like, this mindset stuff is great, but what if you have a depressed teenager at home and like, you've never had kids, you don't understand. And it was a whole full room and everyone got silent because I'm 24 and I don't have kids. And yeah, I don't get that. And in that moment as a speaker, you have to be able to navigate and not lose the room. And that was in like the first five minutes. So I really had to sit with that. And for those 10 seconds, it felt like five minutes to think about what I wanted to do there. And then you ask yourself questions. If this were not about me, and this were about serving the room, how would I respond? So I just said, I want to honor you right now. How many people think it's incredible how courageous and vulnerable this woman was right now? And the whole room raised their hand. And I said, I might not be able to relate in having a daughter, but the one thing that I can relate to is that we're all human and we care about a human being's growth. 
And the one thing I can guarantee is that this material can help us grow. Would you agree with that? And she said, yeah. So we just bonded over that for a second. But the, I guess the, the component about whenever you hit trying times in your life, if you can stop making it about you and about the mind and ego and look to serve and look at, at really what the impact is on the, on the world, and if it's not about you, the answers are going to flow to you, I think, much easier. That's be- And that, I love that because as an athlete, it is easy. It is a selfish industry at times. You are thinking yeah. around the clock, how can I be at my best? Yeah. Um, and really, you know, in my darkest moments, that is where I've tried to, you know, consider, you know, Connor, this isn't about, I, I know you may be tired. I may, I, I know that, you know, your, uh, your energy may be low, but you know what? So is your dad's. So is your dad's yeah. when he used to wake up before work and drive you all the way to Darien and put you on the ice yeah. and he would go and get me Dunkin' Donuts yeah, while, and, and then he would drive me back to Century Junior High. Yeah. Like it's not a, it's today. It's about honoring your dad's effort, mm-hmm. you know, or maybe it's Lexi. It's, it's, you know what? Uh, I've put her through a lot. I've, I've, you know, she's been through every up and down of my career without waiver. Um, mm-hmm. I really need to play well here so that we don't end up getting traded again. So that as a family, yeah. we can have some stability. And it's been, uh, it's a lot of, a, a test in this area is, is launching the podcast. Initially, I was nervous about what people would think. I was, I was upset, not upset, but concerned with the judgment Mm-hmm. of maybe hockey powers that be that would disagree with me spending time this way. That would think it takes away from my mission uh, as a player. Number one, you know, I, I am going to make sure my work ethic, you know, doesn't waver and I'm, I'm you know, still competing uh, with my hourly preparation with the best of them. Um, but really what tipped me over the top was there might be one young player or one, it could even be an old friend of mine that hears something reframed that we maybe have uncovered today's conversation that they run with, that can change a moment in their life. And I think that power of others, that, that social connection, that social contract we have as humans is so powerful. Yeah. It is those moments of decision that are shaping your destiny every single day. And it is super powerful. And I think what's uh, important to important distinction in what you just said is that we always have this fear of judgment of what other people think of what other people say, a fear of love, a fear of hate, a fear of success, a fear of not being too much, a fear of being too much. And it's, it's the fear is there and you can choose the fear if you want and you can keep it as long as you want. But if you weren't operating from the place of fear and let's say you did the opposite of that, let's say you thought, let's say you thought that they would be so supportive Maybe you, we probably would have started this five years ago. Yeah. And so having the courage to not look into the fear, because once you look in the fear, your energy goes to the fear, your action goes into the fear. Well, what if you just had the courage quickly to look the other way? Because ultimately the mission here is to serve the world. The mission here is to give back. The mission is to give back by becoming more. And the longer we're waiting, the longer we're feeding ourselves narratives, false narratives and why we can't, why we shouldn't. Then we end up just, I should do this, I should do this, and we should all over ourselves and we never get anywhere. And it's really a beautiful distinction that you chose courage in this. And I just, I do want to honor you for that because this podcast, your first podcast was so exceptional and the reach is so big and so massive. And I think it's bigger than the ice. Carissa, outstanding. I always, uh, you know, feel challenged. I, I grow from our conversations. I, I am rooting for you. How can people find you on social media? 
Uh, how can they get more of you um, with what you're doing right now? Absolutely. Instagram. It's my number one platform. You can just search my name. It's Carissa, K-A-R-I-S-S-A, K-O-U-C-H-I-S. And you can text podcast, podcast to 77948 podcast to 77948 and you'll get all the details on the next UPW events and we'll give all the Carrick listeners a little bit of a discount. Outstanding. Well, thanks for your time today, Chris. I know you got to run. I can't wait till the next time. Okay. Thank you. See you later. Thanks. Thank you to everyone for sticking with us. Uh, What an outstanding conversation with, with Carissa. She is such a breath of of fresh air and energy um, and, and focus and, and productivity in a time that's very uncertain I'm glad uh, that we have leaders like her in our world. I'm excited to see her development as a thought leader and as a business leader. Um, I do also want to talk about a couple companies. These are not sponsored. These are not ads. Uh, just companies that we support. It's a it's a, a very important time to support our local economies right now, uh, given their struggles with coronavirus and a lot of the shutdowns. Beauty Counter is providing a charcoal cleanser to uh, medical care professionals right now for every order. Um, so they are donating that. I'm, I'm super proud Lexi's involved uh, with Beauty Counter, a clean uh, uh, beauty line uh, product. And then also I want to I wanna highlight Littlefoot uh, Coffee Roasters today. They sent me a couple bags uh, last week. Uh, stuff's outstanding. I am extremely caffeinated right now. Uh, starting to get a little jittery as we end the podcast. Uh, but the stuff was super fresh, really outstanding. This was a single blend from Colombia. I put a little bit of it on ice uh, before we started, and it's time for another another, another cup. So thank you again for joining us. I hope you were able to gain something to help you in this time. I also wanted to take this time. Um, if you follow, uh, rate, comment, subscribe to the podcast, it'll really help us sustain our efforts to grow. Um, as Colin and I embark this, this message to try and, and to be bigger and better every week, uh, we're super excited at the initial uh, momentum. Thank you for that, our listener. Uh, but certainly take us to the next step. Really uh, share it with your friends, comment, like, subscribe, do the best you can. And I'll try and bring you um, the best I have every week. So thank you. Uh, follow Carissa on on Instagram. She's a rock star and, and I, I, I have faith that she will uh, be bigger and better than, than even she's currently dreaming. So thank you. Um, and I'll talk to you next week. Thanks, guys.